McKinley Wright from the logo. Oh, got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome in to the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by In We Go. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, before we get into a bunch of stuff today, uh, including I had a chance to talk with Rick George. He he had like a conference call with the media today. Um, learned some stuff there. Uh, some other things I need to tell you about, and uh, that's kind of the plan for today. Uh, but first, In We Go, incredible service, and you know. There isn't much that we can do outside right now. We can't go out. But as soon as we get past all of this quarantine stuff, um, whether that's like a month from now, two months from now, whatever, I know I am really, really going to want to get out and do things. I'm going to want to go watch sports, go to concerts, do things that involve leaving this apartment. Because it turns out I make bad decisions when I'm just stuck in this apartment all day. Um... So I'm really excited. And when that time comes, In We Go is your best bet. Um, you you can get different levels of membership. And the way it works is if you get like the four tickets per month membership, then you get four tickets to go do basically whatever you want. They have most Avs games on there, most Nuggets games on there, most Rockies games on there, um, most Buffs games, football and basketball were on there. And then you have the concerts. I've seen Florence and the Machine. I've seen... Uh, I think I've said Taylor Swift. Um, who else? A whole bunch. There, there are a whole bunch of good concerts on there. Oh, Nas and Mary J. Blige. That was on there. Um, oh, uh, what's that band? Not like of Mice and Men. Is that? I don't know. I don't know the names of those bands. But yeah, there's a whole bunch of really cool stuff. There's comedy shows. There's like free drinks. There's tours of places um all sorts of different things and it ends up you pay like 12 13 dollars a ticket um and typically the tickets are a lot more the food festival tickets are typically over 100 bucks um so you're paying for like two month subscriptions just by going to that once um plus you get seven other tickets in that time uh but the best part is if you sign up with the code dnvr then you will get 20 or no it's not 20 percent off it's a full free month that's uh, four free tickets to whatever events you choose. And again, it's not a great time, but uh, as soon as this is all over, I think we're all going to want to go outside and do things. Um, it's raining, I think, outside, or it sounds like it's raining thundery. That's disappointing. Um, makes it easier to sit here. Um, let's jump into the Rick George stuff. Because I think that that's probably the most interesting. Uh, first real update we've had in a while. He said that we should expect um, more soon. Um, he's been busy. I think that that's what's most clear about all of this. Um, he uh, 
he's been on the phone every day with all the Pac-12 athletic directors. They just have like a standing conference call, um, including Larry Scott, of course. Um, then every other day, he's on the like NCAA's Division One Council, which is probably like 30 different people who uh, who are involved in talking about the policies that should be made for all of Division One sports, like athletic directors, other executives from all over. Um, Rick George is on there because he uh, is very well respected. He, the, that that call is about every other day. Um, he represents the Pac-12 conference um, in those discussions. Um, so yeah, it's a lot of updating, making sure everybody's on the same page, kind of understanding not just where CU's at, with the campus shut down, with the practices, but understanding what's going on everywhere. You know, what's happening at Oregon's campus. If, if the Pac-12 says, hey, you know what, March 29th, that first day that Colorado was leaving open for uh, spring football practices, like maybe that's the day we can actually do something. Um, well, what's happening with Oregon? Could Oregon make that work? Is there like some sort of unfair advantage if Oregon can't? Um, and then everybody else wants to know what's going on with Colorado too. So it's just bouncing around all that information, what's going on everywhere and figuring out what things look like. Um, yeah, that's a, it's a lot of just trying to communicate and also staying in touch with all of the coaches, all student athletes. He, he gets in touch with his whole leadership team every day too, to, uh, kind of see what's going on in all the programs, which players are sticking around, which ones are leaving. Uh, he's, he did say that he hasn't heard of any players who've had the coronavirus or anybody um, involved with the athletics programs. They do have like a protocol in place. If somebody is infected, um, how they'd go about that. Pretty much everything is shut down. You know, all the they can't go work out any of that stuff. They still have the trainers open, some of that kind of stuff, um, just in case you need it. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, they're doing their best. He really wanted to emphasize like supporting employees, um, especially, you know, like the, the students who work for the athletics department, um, like the equipment managers. And right now there isn't much equipment to manage, but for a lot of these kids, uh, young adults, I don't know what we're supposed to call them. Uh, they, uh, they kind of need to keep making money to be able to afford to live in Boulder. Uh, that's tough for everybody. You see it everywhere. Um, all, service industry obviously being affected, everywhere being affected. Um, you know, just yesterday, uh, I was playing Madden with um, a DNVR subscriber just because we were both bored, um, and he tweeted at me. And uh, we were talking. He was totally happy. Like I said, like you, you feel pretty safe with all this. Like you, you have like job security and stuff, and... Uh, He's like, yeah, I, we're not worried at all. I'm going to be just fine. Um, and they tweets at me today that he is now unemployed. Um, it's just crazy. Um, it's too bad. It's sad. Um, but that is, that's something that very much is on um, Rick George's radar, trying to keep everybody there in a good situation. So... Um, we didn't really get much specifics there, you know, where the hours were being cut. Um, we did hear that it's basically a skeleton staff that's on campus um, just because they don't need that many people there and they want whoever can work from home to work from home just to decrease the odds of the infection, the virus going through uh, 
the athletics department. Um, it's also been working very closely with um, the the um, let's see Mark Kennedy, the president, all all the like school administrative people, making sure they're on the same page. Um, yeah, he said that basically every day more and more students are going home, student athletes, um, and he's kind of just getting those updates every day uh, f- during his meetings with coaches. Um, he didn't have a number. He didn't know exactly how many um, were, were still here, how many were gone, um, but he did know that it's just every day he gets a list and it's growing and growing, which makes sense. There isn't much reason to be here. Um so yeah, uh, that's that's kind of what's going on, like directly with um, that uh, stuff, like with the coronavirus. Um, but also, uh, he talked a little bit about what could happen with spring football, uh, which uh, was interesting because we don't really know. Uh, they basically said that they aren't going to do anything until after spring break. That's March 29th. And that's actually, I'm, I believe, the earliest date that any football program in the country has said um, has said that they would be willing to start uh, practicing again. Um, so it's likely it won't be that early. But that is the day that they're expecting to meet, 6 p.m. Um, with the football team. If, if I were to put odds on it, the way everything's going, I would guess that that isn't what's going to happen. I would guess that it will be a little bit longer, a little bit more of a delay, but you never know. Um, Rick George said the same thing, kept saying it's fluid, um, kind of just going day by day, trying to figure out like what's going on here, what's going on there. Can, is, is, are we seeing that things are getting better? Are we seeing that things are getting worse? Um, but they're just not close to setting a firm timetable. Uh, we just have like the first day that it could happen. Um, all those decisions, uh, those those aren't just CU decisions. He doesn't just get to say, yep, we're doing it. Um, he's to talk with the Pac-12, need to talk with uh, the NCAA. There's a... Uh, there's a lot of stuff that that goes into all of these um, decisions. So, yeah, um, I think that the other big interesting thing in that vein that he said was that he would push for spring practice over the summer. Uh, which again, which would be a new thing. You, you, we've never seen that before, um, but we've also never been in the situation before. So what that would look like is if Colorado can't start practicing March 29th, and maybe it's mid-April or late April, um, they'd say, let's just do it in May, let's do it in June, do it over the summer, and there you go I mean that's that's where you're going to get your practice days and spring game is going to be over the summer um, and then fall camp typically starts July 29th um, that July 28th somewhere right around there and uh, so you'd expect to see about a month off I guess then maybe a little bit less so so that that's also on the mind he did say that it, because it is a new coaching staff um that if they do lose significant practice time in the spring, that they would be working with the NCAA, working with the Pac-12 to try to get that back at some point over the summer. 
Um, so that's interesting. That's not something that I had heard of. I just assumed that when all those kids um, go home, you don't necessarily want to bring them back over the summer. You know, they, some of them have housing. I guess most of them have housing here. A lot of them are probably planning to stay in Boulder over the summer, um, but they would have to change some plans. Um, probably worth it though because you need the practice um, another option would be to start fall camp early so if it's typically a late july start maybe it's a mid-july early july start um, i'd be interested in hearing from the coaches whether they think they lose interest from the players having that much practice um, who knows um, i think that this is all obviously really important that they get f- figured out. Um, but th- I, I, I was kind of surprised. So Rick George said that he thinks that the consistency is going to be very important um, and that that's going to be very beneficial throughout this. He said even though there is uh, a new coaching staff, the defense is still led by Tyson Summers and the offense is Darren Cheverini who you know, has been around. Um, and he thinks that that'll make the transition a little bit easier. I, I agree with the Tyson summer stuff, but the Darren Cheverini offense, I think that there could be some pretty significant changes from what Jay Johnson did last year, especially with Carl Durrell coming in. Um, but Rick George knows more about what's going to happen than I do. Um, so maybe he just did tip off a little bit that this Buffs offense is going to look more like it did last year than maybe some of us expected. And I think that a lot of what they did last year kind of lines up with what Carl Durrell likes. Um, you know, a lot of running the ball, um, establishing the running game first, then building off the passing game from there. Um, heavy personnel. So who knows? Um, they are, you know, he mentioned they're breaking down film. Um, they're working on the recruits, talking to recruits, trying to get that stuff all figured out. Um, I think that that's most of the big football stuff. Um, he did have some basketball notes. He did say that he hasn't had a chance to really sit down and talk about the end of the season with Tad Boyle, uh, you know, the, the losing streak, all that kind of stuff. But, uh, that will happen eventually. He said they, they flew back from Vegas together and they had a couple minutes to talk, but with everything going on, they haven't that, that they haven't been able to prioritize that. It's a lot of like trying to make sure that kids are where they need to be, all that stuff. But um one very interesting note from that that is that uh, Tad Boyle has a bonus in his contract if he makes it to the NCAA tournament. Um, Colorado was going to be in the NCAA tournament. It wasn't going to be close. Like they'd probably be 10 teams between them and the cutoff at least. Um, But there is no tournament. So does he still get the bonus for playing in the tournament if there isn't a tournament? Um, They didn't even announce the bracket, so you couldn't even say, like, it's not about going to the tournament. It's about playing well enough for the regular season to get there. Um, Who knows? They'll talk. But... I think you get a million dollar bonus as a school if you make the NCAA tournament and something like a million dollars on top of that per round. Um, the the way that works, you know, uh, like I know in the Big Sky Conference, a lot of that money is split amongst the conference. So when you sign your agreement with the conference, your NCAA tournament um, 
bonus is like you get 20% and the rest of the conference splits 80%, something like that. Um, I'm not sure what the Pac-12's 12's division is like. Um, I know that, like for example, Gonzaga um, playing in a smaller conference but being a power, part of the reason that they stick there is because the conference lets them have such a big cut of that money. Um, they'll have 80% of it, 90% of it, um, and that's why I stick around because they're the only, only ones really uh, who are providing significant um, money revenue from postseason success. So the point of that is, as much as we all like to say, uh, Tad, you should get this bonus. Your team was good enough for that. You pretty much earned it. You did everything you could have. Um, it's just that it got canceled. It's also true that Colorado might be missing out on $500,000, um, depending on how that's all split up. Um, so actually paying out that bonus might be difficult. But what Rick George had to say was um, he hasn't really even had a chance to think about it. Uh, he doesn't think that Tad has really had a chance to think about it either. They've both been so busy just trying to manage this stuff. At some point, they'll sit down and talk about it, but they just haven't had the time yet. Um, I'm not sure what I would do. Um, I think that... it. If you're Tad, you're pretty upset that you're not getting it. But then you also look at all the other people who are impacted in the athletics department um, who don't have as much work to do, um, so they aren't making as much money, and say, you know what? Everybody's getting hit by this. It's only fair that I take my hit too because the school is missing out on that much money. Um, but also, we kind of did earn it. Um I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out. Um, especially because Colorado, you, you lose a bunch of money um, going through all this stuff. And even though, you know, women's lacrosse isn't a big revenue sport, um, the the track, I don't, I don't even know. They must charge admission again there. But uh, the, the spring sports don't bring in a lot of money, but they bring in some money. And all of a sudden, all of that is cut. Um, they've probably already paid for like all the travel as well. Um, the conference isn't selling the rights to the broadcast. Not again that they're that. I don't know. They are still taking a hit there, for sure. Um, I don't know. The finances from this year will actually be really interesting to dig into once we get past all that. That's a ways down the road still. Um, yeah, I think that that's all the big stuff. Uh, anything else basketball-wise? I don't think so. Um, it's disappointed, of course, but it is what it is. Rick also said that uh, he agreed with the Pac-12's decision, the NCAA's decision, um, to cancel the tournaments. He thinks that those are the right calls. He didn't necessarily like that they were in that position, obviously, but he thought that that was the way things should be handled. He didn't have any qualms there. Um, before we move on, uh, I do want to tell you about a really cool thing that we are doing at DNVR, uh, and it starts tonight. At 8 o'clock tonight, we will all be watching the first episode of Love is Blind, which is like a off-brand The Bachelor, 
I don't really understand it, but uh, it's on Netflix. We're all just going to start it at eight. We're going to start tweeting it. Um, we're going to hang out. I think we're going to have like podcasts about all the different episodes. Just, you know, a replacement for sports um, because really those dating reality shows are about as close to sports as you can get at this point. Um, also, I think tomorrow we're going to start with, uh, I think, the Nuggets and the Avalanche. So, so we're going to start going one game at a time through the Nuggets 2009 playoff run when they made it to the Western Conference Finals and lost to Kobe. Um, and then I think the 2001 Avs season, postseason, when they won the Stanley Cup. Um, and we're just going to, I think I think we're watching those games Monday, Wednesday, Friday, starting tomorrow. Um, and all those games are on YouTube. And it's the same thing. We're going to pull up, watch it together, do podcasts, um, talk about it, and kind of replace sports. Um, and then Tuesdays and Thursdays will be Love is Blind. I guess there's a new baseball documentary that the baseball guys, the Rockies guys, are going to be uh, doing this kind of stuff with. I haven't seen the final details on that, whether it's going to be Tuesday, Thursday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, something like that. And then uh, we're going to be doing some buff stuff too. Um, but we have to get that all figured out. Um, exactly. I think I'm, I'm trying to push for like Saturdays. Um, because college football Saturdays, maybe we go through something. I don't know, but we'll we'll get that part figured out as well. It starts with Love is Blind tonight, though. It's going to be a lot of fun, um, so tweet at us. I think we came up with a hashtag um, so that we can all like just spend all that time together. I'm trying to pull it up. It is hashtag DNVR watches. Uh, yeah, so tonight, episode one. Episode two is on Thursday. We'll see how it goes. Um... Also, we have a new partner um, that I have never told you about up until right now, uh, and that's Manscaped. Manscaped is incredible. Um, they they sent me like their I think they call it the Lawnmower 3.0. Um, what it is, it's like a trimmer. It's adjustable, and I, I figured I should probably check it out before I get on the podcast and tell you guys about it. And uh, things kind of got really weird. So, essentially, I thought when I was manscaping that my leg hair was too long. I was like, huh, proportionately, this doesn't really make sense. Like, my whole thought with that kind of stuff is always, I just don't want people to notice. Like, I don't want people to see my legs and be like, huh, your legs are hairy. I also don't want them to see it and just be like, huh, your legs should have more hair on them. And that all that kind of stuff, like just whatever is the normal, nobody would even notice it length would be. Like that's kind of the vibe I'm going for. I noticed that my leg hair had gotten really long, which makes sense because like I haven't like cut it at all or trimmed it because I don't, I don't think that's even a thing people do. But I figured I would try um, and I wound up taking off quite a bit um i got through one leg and i like looked at it and i was like huh this might have been a bad idea but i couldn't leave the other one undone so i'm rocking some pretty short leg hair right now um i don't know i'm not so sure about it i will say that the lawnmower 3.0 is incredible and taking care of uh the family jewels is important um you guys should definitely be checking it out because they spent a long time i think like 18 months perfecting it 
Um, and it really is perfect. They have like an LED light, which at the time, like, so, so I was in Vegas for the Pac-12 tournament when everybody got the boxes. Um, they're like, wow, this LED light is crazy. Like it makes things so much easier. I was like, what, how, like we, what are, are you doing this in the dark? Like turn a light on and you can see everything. You don't need a special flashlight. And then I got it and I tried it and I was like, wow, it really does make a difference. Like, especially when you have blonde hair that doesn't really like it, it, it is kind of tough to see. Like it can just disappear when you have the light. It just makes it so clear. Um, when you're shaving your entire leg, you can see the little patches that you missed where there are some longer hairs, um, that really, really make things a lot worse. Um, boy, are my legs white. That's another thing I just noticed. Um, but yeah, it's it really is incredible. It really does make things so much easier because typically that stuff is not easy. You know, the angles, the decision making with the length, all of that. Like you just get that little trimmer, it's just going to make you again, it's just like the way it's supposed to be. Um the balls will thank you. Uh get 20% off your entire purchase plus free shipping. If you use the code DNVR20, again, I've only used it once and I really could not recommend it enough. It It's it's great. Um, it just makes it so much easier than it typically is. Um, yeah, so definitely get on Manscaped. I'll have some more stories um, to come about this kind of stuff in the coming days. But I just wanted to start off by saying... I used it on my legs. I got roasted for using it on my legs. I'm thinking maybe you just let the leg hair grow. Um, Also, Breckenridge Brewery, if you need a way to kill all the time that you're spending inside now, Breckenridge Brewery is the spot for you. Well, not spot because you can't really go there anymore. You can still uh, order to go um, and pick things up, but uh, obviously they have shut down just like all the restaurants and bars. Um here so use the beer locator on their website and they'll tell you the easiest place to go pick up a strawberry sky or the vanilla porter jr or the encore um all sorts of different things so do that it'll make your quarantine much easier um i don't know i feel like we maybe we should be picking out specific drinks for all of our things that we're watching um like like are we going strawberry sky night we'll drink it together um oh cu just canceled commencement uh so there's an update there uh not a huge surprise i think i would have guessed that they had already done that but uh definitely worth noting so there will be no graduation ceremony at cu um that's too bad um I did just realize Rick George talked a little bit about uh, giving an extra year of eligibility to seniors, which uh, I don't know if we've talked about much on here. I know I've talked with it with a couple or talked about with a couple of people, but it does seem like when you hear that, it, it makes sense. Like seniors shouldn't have to like you think of the lacrosse team that was only about halfway through the season um, when all this happened and the rest of the season got canceled. Um it makes sense to let them have another year um, if they want it to keep playing the game because this really isn't all that fair. Um, but then when you dig a little bit deeper and Rick George made these points, um, you 
you have a set number of scholarships. So typically, you know, when, when seniors graduate, that that's what opens up the scholarships to give the incoming freshmen or the transfers. Um, and you just kind of like rotate through like that um, by offering another year of eligibility. You'd probably have to offer more scholarships. Um, and again, that, that'd be an easy policy to change. It'd be easy to just say, okay, you get three extra scholarships this year, or you get the same number of scholarships plus however many seniors you had the year before. You know, that'd be a pretty quick policy. But then you remember uh, women's lacrosse team, um, I actually don't know. Let's pull this up. Um, but uh, has eight seniors, eight, um, which, I mean, again, policy-wise, that's fine. But then you think of the money, and CU is not cheap. I wouldn't be surprised if, I don't know, it would be interesting to hear exactly what that number is, like how much this this university spends per scholarship because, you know, the cost of attendance is probably, what, fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 per year. Um, on top of that, you have to provide all the services the athletic department provides. Um, you know, that's extra seats on flights, that's extra hotel rooms on trips, um, that's extra trainers that you need to make sure you can support everybody, the tutors, um, the food, uh, all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot that goes into it and you could see how you could be paying maybe a hundred grand per student athlete. Um, I don't know. That's just a total guess. It could be 60. It could be 200. I'm not sure, but that'd be an interesting number to find actually. Um, and then you think it is a hundred grand. There are eight more players on that lacrosse team. They have to pay for next year. That's 800 grand out of the lacrosse budget. Um, and the scholarships will come from like different places. Like they typically have like the scholarship association. Like I think this is the buff club do some scholarships. So, so that money doesn't just come straight out of the budget, but it comes from somewhere. Um, and that's just the lacrosse team. Then you have track, which I would assume has a lot more seniors. Um, you have, I think what the other six spring sports, five spring sports. Um, so that, that, that is pretty expensive, especially when you aren't making money off the gate for these players, these student athletes, um, this spring. Um, I think what there had to be like four more women's lacrosse games. And I guess when you think about it, uh, four more games at home would be, I don't know how many people probably let's, let's just say it's a thousand people. Um, paying 10 bucks a piece, that's 10,000 times four games, that's 40,000, so that pays for half of one. So, I mean, maybe that isn't too big of a difference, but still, that is money that you're already losing. Um, and Rick George didn't spend nearly as much time um, as I just did explaining all that, but I do think... Uh, it would be tough. And I don't think that he would necessarily shut down the offer. It's just trying to figure out how all of this would work. Um, it's not that simple. Um, I don't know. If you guys have any ideas how you would handle all this, again, there, there are a lot of decisions that have to be made. Um, 
And I'm sure that you guys have ideas about how to fix them because it's what we're all spending our time thinking about. Um, also, if you guys want to play Madden or any other Xbox game, really, hit me up in the comments, tweet at me or something. And I mean, I just sit here and podcast and write and call people all day. So I'm pretty flexible. Uh, yeah, uh, I think that that's most of the Rick George talk. Um, There's good to hear from him for sure. Um, it is good that he made the time for us. We appreciate that. Hopefully we'll get an update again next week. Um, again, there's a chance that 12 days from now, they're going to reconvene that football team. I would be really surprised, but it's still on the table. Um, I don't know. It's been interesting to see what's happening across sports. You know, uh, the, the North Korean basketball league or the South Korean basketball league is coming back after four weeks off. Um, that's as long as it took for them to say they're fine to come back and play and they won't have fans in the arena or anything. And some of the American players are still not willing to go back and play just cause they're nervous about it. Um, but, um, South Korea has been one of like the, the, the countries that's been praised for how it's handled this whole thing. Um, so it's not a surprise that they were able to get through all of it so fast and get back closer to normal um, in that four weeks, which is such a short time frame. Um, again, it's also what, like the size of Indiana, but also with like 60 million people. So it's a little bit easier job, but they still handled it really well. Um, who knows what's going to happen here? Um, we've all been bouncing around ideas uh, at DNVR. And typically, it's like eight weeks, ten weeks, twelve weeks. Um, all just guesses at this point. And who knows? Maybe they start to bring back spring football a little bit early. Maybe they can start doing like Skype meetings. Even anything would help. Um, okay. Uh, before we get back into it, want to tell you about. Uh, our good friends over at Mile High Green Cross. So Mile High Green Cross is basically right around the corner from where I live. Um, it's like a three-minute walk. And the best part is it's only about nine minutes from the time you walk in the door until the time you walk out that door. Uh, so if you're in the Denver area, then you should check that out. Um, because it is really convenient. It's really fast. They have parking in the back. Um, last, yeah, they are still open, although they're only allowing three people in the lobby. Everybody has their own precautions. They're, you know, doing that while also trying to get people what they need to get through this time. Um, so definitely check them out. And also, Sign up for their loyalty program because if you do that, you can get 20% off your entire purchase once per month. It's a great value. Um, and tell them that we sent you too. We appreciate that. Okay. Uh, one more segment here. Um, and we're going to talk some football. Um, specifically, we're going to talk Brendan Lewis. So uh, I've been doing some digging. I've been watching a bunch of film. Um, because that's really all all we get to do at this point. We don't get to go talk to people. We don't get to hear about practices. Um, we do have access to all of his high school tape. Maybe not all of it, but a lot of it through Huddle or all those other different um, 
means. But uh, I have some thoughts on Brendan Lewis. Um, the first one being that he's really good at football. And what I've actually been doing is going back and watching a bunch of Brendan Lewis and also watching a bunch of Jaden Daniels. So Jaden Daniels, the freshman quarterback last year at Arizona State, wins the starting job, um, really takes off, and now isn't one of like the front runners for the Heisman Trophy. But I think that you could definitely get odds on him. Um, probably top 20 in the country? I don't know. Uh, but he played really well as a dual threat quarterback in the Pac-12 as a true freshman. Um, And so I kind of think he set the bar for that specific role. And Brendan Lewis is kind of going to be trying to match what he did. Um, So in having looked through their tape, again, the the main takeaway, Brendan Lewis is really talented. Um, He's fast. He's strong. He can throw a good ball. Um, Specifically, though, I think that there are some big differences between him and uh, Jaden Daniels. Um, The biggest being the style of runner that they are. Uh, Brendan is more physical. Um, He's going to put his shoulders down and hit guys. Um, He doesn't have like the same breakaway speed. He might not have the same wiggle. He's still a really good runner, but a lot of it is more of a straight-ahead power type of runner instead of like a skinny little, shifty little dancing type runner. Um, So yeah, uh, I do think that's a big difference. I I also think that coming out of high school, Jaden Daniels' arm was in uh, a much better spot. You could see him hitting deep balls. He had more help. Um, His, I I think his top receiver... uh, he had a bunch of interest. He wound up going to a JUCO. I'm not sure why. I would guess it's because of grades, something like that. But um, he was, I, I want to say he was a high four-star recruit. He was also four-star power forward. I, I think he was six foot six. Um, so really physically gifted. You could kind of just throw the ball up to him and he would get the ball every time. Um, and that's kind of what Jaden Daniels did. But, he put those balls where they needed to be. He he had like this ease with his arm and Brendan Lewis is still working on those things. Not a bad passer by any means, but maybe not the flick of the wrist type where you're just saying, wow, every time he throws the ball. Um, and again, that's kind of what you'd expect. Um, Jaden Daniels was a more highly rated recruit coming out of high school. Um, and that's kind of the reason why I, I think that it helped him that he was more of that flashy type of runner um, where he's, putting guys on their back without even touching them whereas whereas Brendan Lewis is a little bit uglier he's pulling every yard he can out of every run um so there's a starting point for you what Brendan really needs to do is keep honing in the accuracy um, hitting guys in stride um, instead of making them work to get the ball, you know, make that part as easy as possible so that they can use their effort to try to get past guys after they catch the ball um, instead of, you know, laying out to get the ball. Um, for a high school quarterback, not bad accuracy needs to get better. Um, so that's what he really needs to improve on physically and then obviously mentally. 
in a West Coast offense, which is probably what we should be expecting to see, that can be pretty intense. Um, a lot of pre-snap reads, um, you know, uh, a, a lot of the West Coast offense is kind of a numbers game. You, you look up, you see two safeties high, you say, okay, it's probably cover two, cover four, um, maybe like cover two man even. Um, and so then you move to the outside cornerbacks and say, how close are they sitting on the line of scrimmage? Are they taking a few steps back? Um, if they're a few steps back, you know, 10 yards, maybe then you'd expect it to be cover four. If they're close to the line of scrimmage, it's probably cover two. Uh, you look at the linebackers, are they lined up head on with a skill position player? Are they spaced out pretty evenly? If, if they're head on, then it's probably cover two man. If they're spaced out, then it's just a, a cover two typically, unless unless the cornerback's back, that's cover four. And so you just like go through all that, you see it all, and say, okay, well, if it's just a cover two, then we have three guys running routes to the outside. Let's get the outside guy to clear out space, get him down the sideline, bring up uh, a corner with him, and then sneak somebody in underneath. Um you know, it's, it's just that kind of stuff, understanding the football, understanding where guys are going to be, where the space is going to be, and taking advantage of it. All those little quick decisions that you have to get right. You see cover three and say, okay, well, the pocket, there's now a pocket right in the dead center of the field, five yards downfield. Let's see if we can get somebody in there. Um, it'd be a lot easier if we could pull one of those linebackers an extra step outside the middle of the field. So let's get somebody there. And understanding how you're pulling the defense with every different pattern. Um then it takes time. It takes a lot of time, um, but it's something that you can study and learn. Um, and Brendan Lewis, by all accounts, a very smart guy. I think I've only met him once, but I was impressed. Um, there's a lot of pressure on him for being an 18 year old though. Um, and he does have some work to do, um, for sure. So yeah, uh, that's kind of what he's working on or should be working on at this point. And that's why it's so tough that he doesn't have meetings, that he's not sitting there um, with uh, his quarterback's coach, with his offensive coordinator, with Carl Durrell, who has, has said before, and this is some of the my favorite things that he said about um about football in general really is is that he thinks that receivers have to be as smart as the quarterback because you need them in a west coast offense to be seeing the exact same thing that the quarterback sees understanding how the pattern that the offense is running um, the combination of routes is going to pull this defense and where the space is going to be created understanding okay well i might be covered here but I'd rather be covered an extra two steps to the right because that will open up the space where this other guy is running his route and that's the way this pattern works. You know, that's that's what Peyton Manning was so great at was getting all of the patterns to work perfectly. The All the passing camps that he held, um, you know, he'd fly everybody out to Duke every year and use those facilities, all of his receivers, um, and just drill. Nope, when you run a seven-yard in... Um, it has to be exactly seven. If you float up a little bit, then all of a sudden you're pulling whoever um, and, and you're narrowing the space here. It's just making sure every one of those patterns is perfect. Um, the receivers have to understand their jobs as well. And Carl Durrell said that that is what 
makes his receivers so great. It's it's teaching them that sort of stuff, um, having them understand and be on the same page as the quarterback. You know, you're not you're you're not running your route because you're told that's the route you run. You actually understand what you're doing, um, and having those coaches breaking down film with him every day would have been huge. Um, just saying the things that I just said, um, talking through like, okay, here's how this defense is aligned. You think this is cover two? You think it's cover three, cover four? Is it cover one? You think there's a blitz coming? What do you see here? And just drilling it and drilling it and drilling it until that becomes second nature. You know, all that time in the meeting room is essential. Um, and right now he's not getting that. Um, and that's what makes this transition so tough for this offense or why it could be so tough is because he's going to be slowed down in his development um, in a couple of the key areas. You know, the the big, th- it's, he can go lift weights. I'm sure that if, if he's back in Texas, uh, he still has access to training equipment. And if not, like his family should probably do what they can to buy some because he needs to keep working out. But uh, what he can't do is have that time with coaches, uh, that time on the practice field, building that chemistry. Um, And that's what's so disappointing. Um, And those are kind of my thoughts there, but I thought that that was pretty important to talk about. Um, And that's why I talked about it. Uh, That's going to do it for today's show. I'll be back tomorrow, which is Wednesday, to talk more about uh, the buffs, and uh, probably maybe just a tiny bit about Love is Blind. Hopefully you guys will watch with us. And then tomorrow when we start watching the Avs and the Nuggets and those old things that uh, I barely remember, uh, it's going to be a bunch of fun. We'll get some buff stuff going too. Uh, Thanks for listening as always. We'll be back tomorrow. I think they like my Colorado sway Cause when I'm in it play See you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And voters where we stationed, patiently awaiting. Oh. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging at the crowd, do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit you. Hit you. Hit you. Hit you. Hey. Hey. And you on your own now, why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. Yeah. And we ain't playing with you, you can get it. Swallow. Well, I hit the field, the opposing crowd swallow.